0: So we've been, we've been talking about habits the last few weeks, and we're going we're gonna to continue two more weeks in this series, and we've been looking at the, the concept that it's the, it's the daily activities, the, the repeated activities in our lives that, um, that shape who we are. And uh, this week, as I was reading some more about, about habits, I came across this uh, from, from Boyd, and, and he, said, um, he said that it's our choices... Uh, that, that make our habits. So our daily choices and decisions are making our habits, and eventually our habits are what is building our character. And so I want you to think about this. Like in your life, who you are becoming in, in many ways is, is, is an outflow of the habits that you are repeating daily in your life. If you were to look in the mirror and say, this is the kind of person that I see, whatever that is, this is the kind of husband I am, this is the kind of father I am, this is the kind of follower of Jesus I am, this is kind of the kind of employee I am, whatever, fill in the blank, um, but that is a reflection ultimately of the repeated activity in our life every single day. It's the small things that become who we are as people. And so if you want to change who you are or who you're becoming, you've got to change the daily activities. It's not going to be some grand change. Like I can't just say I want to be um, the best husband in in the world, and it's not just going to happen overnight. It's the daily activities that I repeat again and again and again that shape me into becoming a a better husband or a better father or a better employee or a, a, a more committed follower of Jesus. I mean, you can kind of fill in the blank with whatever area that that you want to talk about. And remember, we we said this last week, that that studies are now showing, we talked about the brain and how the brain functions, and studies are showing now that about 40% of our daily activity, like 40% of what you do every single day isn't conscious decisions that you're making, but rather it's habits that are simply playing out in your daily life. In other words, the decisions that you've made in the past have been formulated into brain activity that then is just repeating itself daily in in your life without you making that conscious decision anymore does that make sense yeah because decisions are made we said in the prefrontal cortex of of your mind and some of you are like oh my gosh what is he talking so in the in the front of your brain where you make decisions the conscious decisions that you make are being made there but as they become habits they move deep within your brain those pathways are, are deeper in your brain so that your your brain doesn't have to work as hard on your daily choices so it's trying to decrease the number of choices you make every day. And you see, like, um, I remember, like, Zuckerberg, for example. You know Zuckerberg uh, from uh, Facebook, yes. Um, if if you've ever seen a picture of his closet, he has the same T-shirt, you know, that he wore for years, and it's just a number of those T-shirts. And part of why he said that is I didn't want to have to make another decision in the morning. I just wanted to put on the same thing every di- every day. So his brain kind of was, like, turned off because he only had one option in there. He had created the the, the one option that he wanted to choose every single day. Now, think about that. If we want to become different kinds of people, if we put before us the only option that makes sense to help us become those kind of people, then we won't be able to choose other things, right? Uh, And so it's extremely important for us to pay attention to our daily choices that become habits. And then once they become habits, uh, we, we, we have to influence the, the directions that they go. Now, uh, we said this a couple weeks ago, and I just want to come back to it for a, se- for a second. The actions that, that most people will never notice in your life and mine, those are the things that become the character and person that everybody sees. Like for you and for me, the, the person that everybody sees is simply uh, the culmination of the daily activity, the daily choices, and, and those habits that are playing out in, in my life that they never see. They, they never see those habits. Um, one of the things, my wife, uh, Robin, uh, she one of the things that she has set before, she was never a morning person. How many of you are, are not morning people? And you're at the early service. God bless you. Awesome. Um, she was never a, a morning person, and, and I was always... The way I was raised, that if, if you got up past 7, you wasted half the day, you know, if it was after 7 a.m., um, and, and she felt like if she got up before 12 noon, that uh, she had ruined her sleep for the night. And, um, but, but Robin made a decision years ago, and she's mentioned this before, that, that she wanted um, Scripture and her time with God to begin to shape her better and differently than it ever had in the past. And so she made a conscious decision, I'm going to start getting up every morning before the kids get up so that I can have some quiet alone time with God and allow that to become the habit that shapes me into the person I want to be rather than hoping that sleep does it. And, um, and she has, has become a morning person out of that de- repeated decision every single day. Now, I'm not saying, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you have to get up every morning at 5 a.m. Like, you can create your own rhythm and your own habit for that, but you've got to create it or else your life will choose for you the flow. And none of us, none of us, if we let if we let kind of it everything just go with the flow, none of us will choose to spend time with God on our own. None of us. Not a professional, not somebody who's sad, not someone who's happy. We just don't choose that on our own because the world fills up our time quickly if we let it. Doesn't it? And so we got to choose that if if we want that. So spiritual formation. I'm going to come back to this again and again and again. Spiritual formation is the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus for the sake of others and the good of the world. So you want to know what God's will for your life is? Here it is. He wants you to be formed in the image of Jesus. That's it. Big picture. Does he want me to do this or that? God wants you to be formed in the image of Christ, the image of Jesus whether you're doing this or doing that. Now, does God have, does He care about whether you take this job or that job, move here or move there? He, he might, big picture, but big picture, He really, more than anything else, whether you do this job or this job, He wants those jobs to begin to reflect the way Christ would live as you live out that, that profession, that vocation. Does he want me to marry this person or that person? Is there one person or multiple? Well, he doesn't want you to marry multiple people, but <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying. Like, like in your marriage, the marriage that, that, you're, that you're in, not a marriage that you wish you had or that you hope you have or one day you're going to try to have, you know, like in the marriage that you're in if you're married, God wants you to be formed in the image of Jesus, and he wants to use your spouse to help that come about. But you have to make the decisions to allow that to happen. It's not just going to happen in your everyday life. So this is the spiritual formation, the process of being conformed. And this is across the board in our lives. It's not just one area. It's not just Sunday mornings. It's not just when you go to Bible study. It's not just when you get up early or whatever you do. Like, this is your whole life. Listen, whatever your vocation is, some of you are salespeople, some of you are retired, some of you are building businesses, um, all the things that you do, everything, God wants to use that, both in your life and someone else's, to bring about his kingdom in this world. Whatever it is you do. He wants to use your marriage. The same, He wants to use your parenting, your grandparenting, all of that in this process of conforming us into the image of Jesus. Now, real quick, uh, hopefully. There, there's this in, in the New Testament, which uh, the, the letters of the New Testament were written... Uh, by a number of people, but Paul was one of the primary writers. He was one of the first Christians. God used him to speak to communities of people like us uh, who are trying to be formed in the faith. And one of the things that Paul comes back to again and again, and if you want to read more about this, Galatians is the perfect book to read more about this. What Paul talks about is he phrases it in a few different ways, but the primary phrase he uses is the flesh versus the spirit. The flesh versus the spirit. Now, let me, let me um, try to sum this up. Uh, the flesh would be just all the things we want to do, the things that feel good to us, the things that, that, that when we look around us, the world says, you should do this. And listen, we live in a world, and I mean, I think we would all attest to this. We live in a world that says to us, you deserve it. Indulge in it if you feel like it. Don't we live in that world? you deserve it. Like, then do it, whatever it is. Like, you deserve it, so just do it. So Paul would say, if we were to go back to to the first century and I think sit down with Paul and look at his writings, I think Paul would say, well, hold on. If we just indulge everything that we want, we're going to become people that we look back on and wish we weren't that kind of person eventually we're going to get to a place that say, where, where we say, you know what, maybe those weren't all the best decisions just to do whatever I felt like in the moment. And so Paul says there's this tension going on between the flesh, what you want, and the spirit, what God sees as best for your life. Like, they're in tension with each other. And... Um, I know it sounds a little like super spiritual, the flesh versus the spirit, but but ultimately it's just like your wants and desires, just your natural wants, what you want versus maybe kind of the better choice. So how many of you love dark chocolate? I love dark chocolate. I mean, throw the milk chocolate away. (laughs) Studies show that dark chocolate is so much healthier Um, love, I mean, I love dark chocolate. This week I made um, uh, some dark chocolate no-bake cookies. You guys like no-bake cookies? You know what no-bake cookies, if you don't know what they are, you should look them up. They're the best thing in the world. So um, no-bake cookies, it's basically dark chocolate, butter, and sugar, and some oats in it to make you feel healthy when you eat them. So I mean, that's like the only thing in them. And so I made some, and I've been like adjusting the recipe to try to get the perfect consistency and all that. And um, what I found this last week, because I made a big batch and, and I made dark chocolate because I love dark chocolate. My kids don't love dark chocolate, so they don't eat as many as if I make the dark chocolate ones. And so I, I hid some in the freezer. This is a good, good plan. I hid some in the freezer. And so every night I go in and when nobody's looking, I get in the freezer and I pull out my dark chocolate no bakes and I start eating them. And, and, and I found that if I do what I want to do, I will eat the entire bag of no-bake cookies. And 30 minutes later or an hour, I, I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have eaten that many cookies. <laughs> like, I just don't feel good, right? Well, that's a little bit what Paul's talking about, like in the flesh and the spirit. Like if we just do everything that we want, eventually we'll run into a place where we, where, where we, where we say to ourselves consciously, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And God puts within us the spirit to help us come against that fleshly desire, to help us, like I know it's not healthy for me just to continue eating sugar and dark chocolate, but, but I want it, and so I have to do it in moderation. And, and Paul even says in Galatians, look, you've been given freedom. Like in Christ, you've been given freedom, but don't use your freedom just to indulge in everything, but rather use your freedom for how God intended it to be. So there's this, this struggle. Um, so this passage from... Uh from, from Galatians says this, that, that these two forces are constantly fighting each other. And I'm going to get back to how this has to do with our habits. But these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, if you made a resolution at the end, beginning of the year, or you were sitting in the first week of habits, I mean, most of us said, I'm going to do this every single day. I, like, to, this is the week I'm in. Like, everything changes, and like three days later, you fail. Nobody? <laughs> yes, you fail, and, and you feel, I'm a loser. I can't do it. I knew it. I, I thought I could. I, I can't do it. And Paul's saying, look, it's because you've got these two forces, like, at war within you. They're constantly, and the things you want to do, you end up not doing, uh, but Paul says you've got to continue, like, habits form over time, not overnight, and there's that whole 21 days, if you do it for 21 days, it becomes a habit. Wad that up, throw it away, get it out of your head. Like, that's, that's really not the truth. Like, you have to work at it over long periods of time for it to become a true habit in your life. Uh, Eugene Peterson used the phrase, it's a long obedience in the same direction. Oh, I love that. A long obedience in the same direction. Habits, like creating habits or moving in the same direction over a long period of time. Now, before we get to like what I wanna talk about today, um, just a, a quick, some of you are like, what? <laughs> um, just a quick recap. Uh, the first question I think that's important when it comes to habits is who do I want to become? And a better question yet is who does God want me to become? So who, who do I wanna become? And so we said we gotta focus on the be part of it first. Like, it's not just about making all these changes. And, and I was talking about marathons. Today's the, uh, the marathon here in Phoenix. Um, how many of you are running? Okay. Just kidding. Um, you're here. You're not running, probably. If you finished already, awesome. Like, that is fast. Um, and I mentioned the idea that, that sometimes we put a goal that I want to run a marathon, for example. Like, that's my goal that I put out there. But you've got to have a strategy behind it. And as I was reading these books on habits, Atomic Habits, for example, great book. Um, the concept is not to put out goals. I mean, goals are important, so I, w- I want to run a marathon. But rather, um, I want to become a runner. Like, that's a whole different thing. Like, who am I becoming? I'm becoming a runner. Well, how do I become a runner? Well, I repeat a running pattern every single day, whether it's one mile or half a mile or three miles or 10 miles. Like, like if you repeat it every single day, eventually you'll be able to run that marathon that you want to run. But bigger, the bigger picture is now you've become a runner which l- could last your, you know, most of your life. And, and, and so who do I want to become? And then the second piece, what small habits or choices will, will begin to form that person? I, I want to be, be a loving husband to my wife. So what are the choices I need to make daily to become a loving ha- husband? Um, I, another example, I, um, I feel like anger sometimes overcomes me with my, ch- with my children, Amen? <laughs> so, so I want to be less uh, angry with my children. So what are the things I need to do to over time become less angry or respond with less anger in the moment and be more loving to my children? What are the daily choices to become that? What's interesting is some of these studies say that even anger itself Can become habitual. So our first response is a loud response. It's a a loud, angry response, especially if you're from the Northeast. Uh, But but that can be a habit that then you can influence away from that loud, angry response. And then the third, and here's what we're going to talk about just for a few minutes today. Who can walk with me and hold me accountable in my spiritual formation? And here is the secret of sustainable habits in your life. And this is true, again, across the board, not just spiritually, but the secret, I, I, I believe, and all this that I've been reading and studying, and I think the New Testament got it, r- I mean, I, of course God got it right, but like the New Testament like confirms again and again, the secret to lasting transformational habits is a small committed community encouraging us and holding us accountable. And this is the beauty of the church. And again, Church not being like what you attend on a Sunday, but church being the community of people, people around you, moving in a similar direction, encouraging you, and holding you accountable. Now, I grew up in Alabama, and uh, Alabama has a lot of history. And this weekend in particular, I think about the history of, of Martin Luther King Jr., and one of the images that is in my, my mind of Martin Luther King Jr. is, uh, I think, a, a brilliant movie that was built around this was the movie Selma, when, it, when they're standing before they walk across the bridge on the, on the march uh, to Montgomery. And you get this image of not just one or two people alone, even though Martin Luther King Jr.'s voice was out front, but it's a community of people moving in the same direction over a long course of time, and sustain, that that begins to shape a, a larger, and it, and it spiritual formation, it's for the good of the world in that setting, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, and so this, not really a secret, but the secret to lasting transformational habits is this, this committed group together. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I saw a little thing on, on Drew Brees, who's the quarterback of, of the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans, the New Orleans Saints. Um, and, and, and to see him talk to his team in a way of like, we've, we've prepared for this, we love each other, we're committed to one another. It's like they've been working together to get to this place where they may get into the Super Bowl. I don't know where you feel, how you feel about No, no, okay. Some, I don't know. Anyway, it's the idea that we, we can do this together as a team and move forward as a team. Uh, Proverbs says this, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Who you're surrounding yourself with will impact your habits in so many different ways. Uh, A study was done, 12,000 people over 30 years, they tracked, and they found that that the people within these small little groups, these small little communities, began to reflect one another and uh, at over a 50% rate. So in this group, uh, if, if there was one person who, who gained weight and became obese, 57% chance that, that, that other people in that group would do the same exact thing. 57% chance. And a similar thing was true if, if in a small committed group together one person began to lose weight, there was a high probability that the others in that group would begin to lose weight. It's a community. Like the best way to form and create and then keep sustained habits in your life is with a group of people. Uh, Those of you who are runners, um, long-term committed runners, there are running groups for you, right? Or those who are cyclists, there are cycling groups for you. And you can probably only do it for so long on your own. I mean, you could probably do it for a long time on your own, but eventually you're going to look around and be like, I need somebody like to, I can't do it by my, like you need somebody to go with you. And, and it's this, this, this group mentality. It's why Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new command, love one another, because you can't do this separately. As I have loved you, as I have encouraged you, as, we, as I have shaped you, like love one another. And, and this love, the way that you live together in community, will we'll prove to the world that you're my disciples. That's what will prove to the world, that you're, you're my disciples. Paul comes back to this again and again. Teach and counsel each other with the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Teach and counsel each other with, with all the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, James says this. Now, some of you aren't going to want to write this one down. Confess your sins one to another. Like, confess your sins one to another. Who wants to get in a group like that today? Anybody? We're going to circle up the people around us. Look to your left and right. Tell them the worst thing you've done in the last week, okay? <laughs> Next week, that's how we're going to open up. Hey, meet somebody you've never met. Tell them your worst sin. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And <laughs> it'll be, like, silent in the room. <laughs> well, once, I... Um, but here's why. Here's, here's why. here's why James, I think, uh, maybe some of behind the scenes... Confess your sins to each other so you can pray for each other and so that you may be, what's that next word? Healed. Healed. And if you read that section of James, he's talking about some physical he- healing, but I think he's also talking about spiritual healing. Like you, you want to, to, to get out of your, um, your, your, your destructive pattern of drinking or eating or anger like a group is the, is the best place. AA, for example, is one of the best expressions of a community of Jesus. Out of this one passage, confess your sins one, one to another and pray for each other. Now, I know that doesn't happen at all the AA meetings, but in, in, in a pure, like, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. To walk together, to hold each other accountable. Look, we need each other. Like, we will never become who God wants us to be on our own. Like, we need each other. And, and that, that committed group. Uh, and, then, and then this one. I'm, I, I decided to end with this one instead of the confess your sins because people are out on that one. Encourage each other and build each other up. Now, don't we all need a little encouragement? Yeah. I mean, how many of you need to be encouraged? Okay, three. <laughs> I, I, need, I need encouragement every now and then. To keep up the good fight, to continue the long obedience in the same direction, because it gets lonely. Sometimes I feel like I'm not good enough. You know, all of that. We need encouragement. We need everybody needs to be built up from time to time, and a small committed group with one another can help move us in that direction. Now, um, accountability. Three things that are in your uh, in your little folder this morning. I lost mine. Here it is. Um, three or four different. Uh, Experiments this week. Number one, accounta- accountability. Spend 30 minutes to an hour with one of your closest friends. Go get coffee. Um, go on a, on, a, on a hike together. If you're a guy, um, you don't want to sit across from them and look face to face because, guys, we don't want to look at others like when we have conversations. So walk next to each other, go hike or something, drive in a car, just drive around Phoenix, the 101, just drive around Phoenix and, um, <laughs> and share some struggles you've been having lately. And ask him or her to pray for you. Like, be honest. What are your struggles? Now, this is one of the most difficult things to do, but I think it's one of the things God can help to, uh, that that God wants us to do to help shape our habits, to become better habits, so that we become the kind of people he's called us to be. So accountability. Uh, This next one is more fun. Dinner groups. Uh, groups are great environments for us to grow and mature as followers of Jesus. It's, it's why last week we spent the week on groups and we had these group interest cards, which you have today as well. Like, like get into a group. And if you don't want to get into a group, if you can't find a group to help you, like start a dinner group with some other people and be intentional about talking about spiritual formation. Like be intentional, be intentional. Talk about spiritual formation and how God is shaping you or how you believe. God wants to shape you to become a different kind of person. And then the last thing is, is corporate worship. Um, like this setting, uh, I, I know I say often that, like, this isn't the end, this isn't the point, and it's not. But corporate worship, something can happen in corporate worship in our spiritual formation because we're in a larger group. And let me tell you, it like, for me, when I'm in worship, like, I, I would rather have my hands in my pockets because if I raise my hand, I feel a little like, oh man, I don't want anybody to look at me funny. And I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not that crazy. And so, like, I'm more comfortable like right here. But there's times like that I need to lift my hands in worship and declare my dependence upon God and say, I I don't have it all together. And that thing that we're singing right now about a good good grace and a good God, like I need to declare it in a way that my whole body shows it. And, and if I slip up here and write a note and put it on the cross, people are going to look at me and wonder, like, what sin this week? You know, I, <laughs> I knew he was crazy. Like, and so I don't want to sli- Like, if I walk up there, I want to make sure who's in the room, like who knows me and who doesn't know me before I come up here and write, like, my confession and put it up on the cross. Or- and so I, that's uncomfortable. But in corporate worship, like we can be freed to be honest and transparent with one another at least before god in a way that you are welcome to and 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 i would say you know i want this to be a place where there's it's like a judgment free zone who says that like planet fitness or something like that like judge judgment free zone like we're going to leave that to god like for us like you be honest with god because he already knows and and Other people probably know as well. Like, just be honest before God. The candles, like lighting a candle, and that's a little bit easier sometimes because, like, nobody knows who I'm lighting this candle for. But some of you who feel disconnected from God, lighting a candle is a good expression for you in public worship, in corporate worship. Prayer team in the back of the room, like, slipping back there and saying, I just need prayer. And I don't don't need to explain everything, but I just need prayer for this in my life. Taking communion in this room. Like, worship becomes an open place for us to share some truth. I I keep coming back to this verse um, about the truth that God is working within us. This this idea to work out your salvation. Like you can't work for your salvation completely free. It's from God. You know, place your faith in him and you are, are, are set right with God the Father through what Christ accomplished. You can't earn that. But Paul does say, like, work out your salvation. Like, how do you live that out in your life? So work that out in your life. Like, experiment, practice some things with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you. Like, God is already at work within you. And this is good news for all of us. Like, God is already at work within you, giving you both the desire and the power both the desire and the power to do what pleases him, to obey him, to follow him, to, to continue that long obedience in the same direction. Like God is working in you for that.